getting ready for this sermon, I was reading through the Bible, and I noticed a few things. I noticed how God uses the things that we already have in our, in our lives. Think about it. Mo- Moses had a staff, and, and God used that staff to part the Red Sea. Now, now David had a simple slingshot, and, and God used that simple slingshot to slay Goliath. Samson. Samson had a, a jawbone of an ass, and God used that jawbone of an ass to slay a thousand Philistines. That was then. This is now. Today, I have the stool. And we're going to see what great and mighty thing God is going to do here today as I sit upon this stool. (laughs) God is good. (laughs) All the time. Let me do this. Let me start out by sharing with you an email that I received from a pastor a few months ago. Now, this pastor and his family, they're, they're traveling from city to city, and they're debating this guy named Ron. And now Ron is involved in the adult film industry. The email goes like this. It says, I spent seven nights on a bus with the hardest working man in the adult film industry. Joining me for the trip was my family, made up of my wife Janet and my two kids. Prior to the tour and in every city, I was bombarded with questions. Questions like, are are you scared for your kids? What about your wife? Is Ron going to make any money off ticket sales? And why should I come to the debate to hear Ron's side of the story? And are you okay promoting porn? Touring with the Touring the country with a porn star, a friend said to me before I left, he said, make sure I get it done. He he sounded as if something I could say to Ron would be the difference in this guy's eternity. I smiled but thought for a moment that that maybe this tour is not about what I say to Ron, but, but what I don't say to Ron. When Ron brings his friends to the back of the bus and my children aren't sleeping, I say nothing. When, when Ron moves into the, the green room with girls surrounding him, I say nothing. When, when Ron is nowhere to be found five minutes before showtime, I say nothing. I started asking myself, what did we sign up for? What did I think was going to happen when we stepped foot on on the tour bus with the biggest porn star in the country. I know what I signed up for. It was not a debate. It was not a tour. It was to be Jesus to Ron. My friend Paul sent me an email during the trip to, to remind me of that. He said, be Jesus to Ron, dude. You may be the closest thing to Jesus... He will ever see. Just be Jesus to him. No matter how hard it might sometimes be, be Jesus. You see, this pastor knew that there are times in our lives where whatever we say to a person, it it might not change that person's life. 
We can talk about a person's sins and we can talk about a person's faults until we're blue in the face. You know, it still might not change that person. Now, he could have went to Ron and said, Ron, you're wrong for being in pornography. You're destroying thousands of lives. Ron, you're wrong for doing that. He could have did that. You know, I, I can remember when I was in, involved in, in drugs and, you know, I had a good friend to come to me. And he said, Shelby, I, I think you're abusing drugs. I mean, he, he, meant, he meant well. He, he was real nice about it. But, but, you know, while he's talking, I'm thinking, dude, I'm not abusing drugs. I'm just doing what I do. You, you see, sometimes a person don't need to hear what they're doing is wrong. You see, the Bible says that there is a time for everything. There is a time for, for correction. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a time for correction. There, there is a time for judgment. And you know what? There is a time to be Jesus. There is a time to, to be Jesus. And, and this pastor figured that out. And he knew that, that, that this guy named Ron, he just wanted to be Jesus too. You know, as I was reading that email, I was wondering, uh, what, what, what did he mean by that statement? Be Jesus. I, I mean, Ron is wrong. The, the pastor is right. Just tell him and be done with it. But what did he mean by that statement? He said, be Jesus. This is what I came up with. Let's look at John 1 and 17. John 1 and 17. It says this, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace. That's how it could be like Jesus. You see, this pastor knew that, that Ron was just wasting his life and, and that Ron's life needed to be made over and that Ron's life could only be made over by God's grace. You see, this guy needed a grace lift. And that's what I want to talk to you about. It's when God will take our messy lives and he will begin to make them over with his grace. Now I'm going to be sharing with you some scriptures about grace and I'm going to share with you my own grace lift experiences. I'm going to talk to you how, about how God has taken my life and, and he's made it over. But first let me, let me share with you the meaning of grace. Now, now, grace means this. You've got to understand what grace means. Grace is favor or kindness shown without regards to the worth or merit of the one who receives it. And in spite of what that person deserves, in spite of what a person deserves, we like to call it God's unmerited favor. You know, we, we, we hear that word and we use that word a lot. But do we truly understand the magnitude of grace? Do we, do we truly understand the, the magnitude of God's grace? You see, it's God's love coming to you and it's coming to me absolutely free. No strings attached. It's unconditional, free grace. You know, interestingly enough... Jesus never used the word grace. Jesus never used the word grace. As much as I use it, as much as you use it, Jesus never used the word grace. 
Rather, Jesus taught it. He lived it. Think about the woman that was caught in adultery. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Think about the crowd who who crucified him. He prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Think about the, the thief that was crucified alongside of him. He looked at him and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. You see, these people were made over by God's grace. They all received a grace lift by Jesus. Think about it. It was the woman who was caught in adultery. There was a crowd that, that crucified him, and there was a thief. Now, now, did they deserve this grace? No. You see, that's the first thing we need to understand about grace is this. Grace. We cannot earn it. We, we, we just cannot earn this amazing grace of God. For example, we, we go to work on our jobs and we work hard for a week or two. Well, some of us do. I, I, I used to work with some of you guys out there. I know y'all don't work that hard. But we go to work hard on our jobs. And, and man, we're, we're anxiously awaiting to get this hard-earned paycheck. I mean, we, wait, we just can't wait till we get this paycheck. You know, but, but correct me if I'm wrong. I never heard anybody go to their boss and say, Boss man, boss man, thank you so much for this undeserved paycheck. And that overtime that I worked last week, you just go ahead and keep it. <laughs> I, I probably never would hear that one. I, I probably never would hear that one. But that's, that's our thinking. We, our thinking is this. The, the more and the harder we work, the more we want in return. That's the way we think. The, the more and, and the harder. You better pay me for my overtime. Matter of fact, I need, I need a raise. But that's just our, our thinking. The more and, and the harder we work, the more we want and return it. And you know what? That is the exact opposite of grace. That is the exact opposite of grace. Let's look at Matthew 20, 8 through 15, and let's look at grace at work. Let's look at grace at work. It says, that evening he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hard at five o'clock were paid, each received a, a full day's wage. When those hard first came to get their pay, they assumed that they would receive more, but, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. Now, they only worked one hour, but and other guys who, who worked all day, they, they all got the same pay. And the landowner answered them. He said, one, one of them, he said, he answered one of them and said, friend, I, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? He said, take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others, because I show favor to others, because I am a gracious God to others? Should should you be jealous? 
You see, that first heart didn't understand how that worker who came last would receive the, the same pay as he did. You see, they didn't work as many hours as he did. They didn't work in the heat of the day all day like he did. They didn't work as hard as he did. Now, truly, truly, those workers who came last, the one who worked only one hour and got paid for eight, truly, they got what they did not earn. That's how grace is. Grace gives you and grace gives me what we don't deserve. The Bible said that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, while we were out there in the world and we wasn't thinking about him, we were doing our own thing, not thinking about him. He, he was thinking about us. He gives us what we don't deserve. You know, Reader's Digest asked Muhammad Ali what his faith meant to him. Ali replied, it means a ticket to heaven. He said, one day we're all going to die and God is going to judge our good and bad deeds. Now, if our bad deeds outweigh our good deeds, we go to hell. But if our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds, we, we, we go to heaven. And that's the way many people think. You know, I look back over my life and, and I remember when I first came to Christ, I had some of those same thoughts. I, I knew I had done so many wrong things in my life that, you know what, I didn't think that God would love me as much as he would love somebody else. You know, someone who had been in church all their lives, some, someone who had been saved most of, of their lives, I didn't think God would, would love me as much as he loved them. So, so I decided I was just going to do me some good works. I was just going to do me some good works. I was going to earn this favor of God. And let me tell you, I about worked myself to death. Man, I was out. I'm repairing houses and I'm painting houses. I'm mowing yards and helping little old ladies across the street. And, and some of them little ladies misused the brother, too. I think they knew what they were doing. But that's what I thought. Now, was it any, anything wrong with me doing those good works? You know, it wasn't a thing wrong with me doing those good works. But know this about God's grace. Grace means that God loves us much as an infinite God can possibly love us. There's nothing we can do to make God love us anymore. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us any less. This love of God is not determined by what we do. This grace of God cannot be earned. It cannot be earned. How many sports fans do we have out here? I tell you, if you are a sports fan, this has got to be an exciting time of the year for you. I mean, coming up, you know, 
I, I played football, I played baseball, and I played basketball. And, and you know what? I was a pretty good player. Pretty good player, not brag, just fat. Matter of fact, you may have heard of me. They call me Jump Shot Johnson. Now it's more like Set Shot Shelby, but, but I was a pretty good player. But do you guys remember practicing basketball in your backyard? You know, when you was a kid? And maybe you was practicing that last second shot. You remember that one? When you was counting down five, four, three, two, one. He shoots and he makes it and he wins the game. Y'all remember playing that one? Come on, I know I wasn't the only goofy kid in the backyard doing that. Come on, be real. But, but I had an opportunity to do that in an actual game. I had a chance to shoot that last second shot. You know, it was only a few seconds left in the game, right? We were down by one point, and I was playing down in the low post. And, and, and so the clock is ticking, five, four, three, and they pass me the ball down in the low post, and two, I, I shoot the shot, and, and that ball goes up, and it goes up, and <laughs> it goes up, and that ball went over the rim and gold and everything. It was a stinking air ball. I blew it. I, I missed the shot, the chance of a lifetime, I, I blew it. I missed it. And, and the sad thing about it was this. I realized that I wasn't going to get, I wasn't going to get a second chance. That's how life is. Sometimes in life we will not get those times of opportunity again. That's how life is. But you know what? That's not how grace is. The second thing I need for you to know about grace is this. Grace allows second chances. Grace allows second chances. Look at Luke 15, 20 through 24. And let me tell you the story that leads up to these verses that we're going to read. See, this is a story about a son who goes to his father. And he wants his share of the family's estate. So the father gives them his share of the estate. And not long after that, the Bible said that the, the son goes and he gathers up all his belongings. And he heads off to a distant country. And the Bible said when he got there, he squandered all of his wealth on wild living. Anybody ever experienced any wild living? But he squandered his wealth on, on, on wild living. Living And the Bible said that, that he became in need. So many times when we squander our wealth on wild living, we experience lack of, we experience needs. It got so bad for him that he went to work for this farmer, and this farmer had him out feeding his pigs, and he got so hungry, he got so hungry, he wanted to eat the food that the pigs were eating. Now, this was long before they knew anything about ribs and pork chops, chitlins and Kool-Aid. If he knew anything about that, he wouldn't have had that problem. But the Bible says after that, he, he came to his senses. And the son realized that he was better off at home. He also realized this. He also realized that he had sinned against heaven and he had sinned against his father. So now he's feeling unworthy, and he decides to go back to his 
father's house, but not as a son, but, but as a servant. He was feeling so unworthy that he didn't feel like he was a part of the family anymore. You know, church folk do that. Sometimes when church folk blow it, man, they'll leave church and you don't see them for a while. You know why? Because they think they're not a part of the family anymore. That's the way that son felt. Now the son did blow it. Let's, let's not make no mistakes about it. He did blow it. He, he messed up big time. But what I want you to notice as we read these verses, I want you to notice the father's response to the son as he's on his way back home. Notice the father's response as the son is on his way back home. Luke fifteen twenty through 24. It says, so he got up and went to his father. Notice the father's response. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Notice the father's response. He, he ran to his sons and threw his arms around him and, and kissed him. Notice the father's response. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The son knew that he blew it. He, he knew he had messed up. But what I want you to notice, notice the father's response. But the father said to his servant, he said, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. You see, the father wants the best for his son. He said, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and, and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead, is, is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. You see, the, the son could have parted at the house anyway. He didn't have to leave for the while. Living. He could have parted at home. You see, the son was thinking one way and, and the father was thinking another you see, the son realized that he had blew it and, and that he was feeling unworthy, not even deserving to be a son again. But the father loved the son so much, he was looking for the son to come back. And when the father seen him, the father was full of compassion. And the father quickly restored the father's son Relationship. You see, that's how God's grace is. When we sin, when we blow it, grace comes looking for us. And it brings with it compassion. And it restores the relationship back to the Father. So guys, we don't have to feel unworthy anymore. You know, even in my own life, sometimes I blow it. Sometimes I miss the mark. You know, I can remember it was a year into, into my salvation. You see, God had delivered me from drugs and, you know, I had a good job. I was in church every day. My marriage was on the, on the mend. My, my family was, was coming together. I tell you, everything seemed to be great. Everything seemed to be great. Things were coming together for me. 
until one weekend. One weekend, I went back to the old lifestyle. Anybody ever went back to the old lifestyle? You see, I went back to the old lifestyle of using again. And and to this day, I, I can't tell you why I went back. Maybe it was a part of me that, that never did let go of the old lifestyle. I tell you, you got to let go of the old lifestyle. Let go of the old lifestyle. The Bible said we press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let go of the old lifestyle. And now I'm, I'm feeling bad. I'm I felt defeated. I, I, I felt ashamed. I, I, I felt unworthy. And I'm thinking, I'm back in this spot again. How did I get back here again? I'm back where I started. What, what happened? It, it was so bad I decided not to go to, to church that Sunday. Now, now, mind you, before then, I, I was in church every day. Every, Anytime the doors open, I'm up in the church. It got so bad that they, 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 they got tired of me hounding them to open the doors to the church. They gave me some keys to the church. They said, here, let yourself in. But this Sunday, I decided not to, to go to church. But thank God for good friends. I had a good friend who, who noticed that I wasn't in church that Sunday. And he had also heard about what had happened to me that weekend. So after church that, after church that Sunday, my friend, my friend came looking for me. And he said this to me. He said, Shelby, he said, Shelby, how you doing? I said, I'm doing fine. He said, have you asked for forgiveness yet? I said, yeah. And he said this. He said, I want you to get up. I want you to dust the dust off. I want you to get back in church. You may have blew it last week. Maybe you blew it last night. Dust the dust off. Get back to that place that God has purpose in your life. Dust it off. You see, God used my friend as an instrument of his grace. He used my friend now as an instrument of his grace. You see, my friend came looking for me. My friend came looking for me. And when he found me, my friend had compassion on me. And my friend helped to restore my relationship back to the Father. You know what? I haven't looked back since. I have not looked back since. See, God in the business of second chances. He's in the business of making us over. He uh, not only a God of second chances, but you know what? He's a God of third chances, fourth chances, and fifth chances. You see, where there's sin, there's grace. Now, now let's not get it twisted. Let's not get it wrong. Grace is not a license to sin. Let's get it right. Grace is not a, a license to sin. God said, I forbid that. He forbid that. Let's look at Romans 2 and 4. Romans 2 and 4. 
It says this in Romans 2 and 4. It says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? Do you misuse the the riches of his kindness? Do you mistake the, the riches of his kindness? Tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's Kindness leads you towards repentance. You see, God's grace is meant to lead us towards repentance. God's grace is meant to to make us over. God do not want to leave us in that old lifestyle. His grace is meant to make us over. Make you over. Make me over. Know that. It's not a license to sin. But you know what? When we stumble, when we're struggling, when we're disobedient, when when we're unfaithful, remember this, God is always standing there with his arms open wide, welcoming us back home to the Father. I tell you, he is a God of second chances. And the third thing we need to know about grace is this, grace is our means to salvation. Grace is our means to salvation. You know, in most religions today, salvation is worked for. You know, they have to do something to, to earn it. You know, you've probably heard it. They're, they're working for their salvation. They're working for their, their salvation. That's how a lot of religions do it. But, you know, that's not how it is in the Christian faith. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says this, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved. It's by grace. It's by God's unmerited favor, something we didn't earn. It's by his grace that we've been saved through our faith in the Lord Jesus. And this is not from yourselves. It it is a gift from God who freely gives it to us. Not by works, so that no one can can boast. You see, it, it was grace that came down from heaven. It it was grace that, that took on flesh. It was grace that, that went to the cross. It was grace that had the thorns and the spears and took the spitting and the cussing. I tell you, grace. It was grace that died and grace that rose again. And that's why we have eternal life. I tell you, grace is the means to our salvation. Grace. That's our means to salvation. You know, I hear so many stories of of people trying to fix themselves before they come to God. You know, we want to make right our wrongs, and and then we'll come to God. You know, I had a sister who would would always invite me to church, you know. And this is before I got saved. But she would always invite me to church. She would say, Shelby, come go to church with me. I said, Janie, girl, you know what I did? <laughs> I'm not going over no church without being no hypocrite. You know the things I do. I'm not going to go up there like that. I said, first, I'm going to fix myself. I got some work on myself I need to do. 
So, so she would leave me, and so I would try to fix myself, but I would fail. I would try and fail and try and fail. You see, I was trying to save myself. But thank God for a persistent system. Thank God for people who are always praying for you. Thank God for people who, who are always encouraging you and always lifting you up in, your prayer, in their prayer. Thank God for those people. Because my sister did not give up on me. She came back again and said, Shelby, come go to church with me. I said, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. This time she told me something different. This time it, it, she said something that really stuck to me. She said, Shelby, come go to church with me. I said, nope, not going to be a hypocrite. This is it, Shelby. I need you to know something. She said, Shelby, the church is made up of people like yourself. People who need Jesus. People who need to be made over. That's me. That's me. This time it just made sense. It just made sense this time. You see, guys, we, we all need to be made over. No matter where you are in your relationship with Christ, we all need God's grace. I need it before I came to him. I need it while I'm here in its presence to sustain me. And I need it to, make, to continue to make me over. I tell you, guys, we all need, we all need a grace lift. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. and God, we love you.